Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, Welcome to F in Sports, the podcast with two teachers' great sports, biggest issues. Mr. Ainsworth, how are you on this fine Sunday afternoon, sir? I'm doing pretty well, Shaka. Sports are back. Sports are back. It was awesome to be able to watch some baseball, WNBA, UFC, soccer. Uh, Did anything in particular catch your fancy now that sports are back? Um, I had a fun time watching Dodgers Giants yesterday because it was they were like the national televised game, and that meant that they had the fake digitalized fans. And so like <laughs> watching the you know high fly balls or a couple homers or whatever going in the outfield, and then like all of a sudden as the balls carry, you just see fans appear <laughs> in the middle. Um, and then my fiance was sitting there on the couch watching me, and we were laughing at like the idea of fake crowd noise was really really funny. Like it was kind of distracting, frankly. It was more crowd noise than there normally is at a mid July baseball game for sure um that kind of leads into my first gold star i am gold starring Giancarlo stanton 
who <laughs> I wanted to kill a couple of weeks ago because he hit a ball back up the middle and almost took Tanaka's head off. And it's like, we don't have enough pitching as Yankees <laughs> for you to take <laughs> off the head of one of our starting pitchers. But he hit a home run. I mean, he launched it over 460 feet. I mean, it was nuts. And he did that on opening day. And the Yankees won the first game against the Nationals on opening day. Now, the Yankees did lose their second game. But John Carlos Stanton, gold star to you for a big home run. Uh, what gold stars do you have, Mr. Ainsworth? So, in the you know, wake of sports being back, uh, we, we were both texting back and forth. So, I know you were also watching the WNBA returned yesterday. Recording on a Sunday, so the WNBA came back yesterday. Brianna Stewart and the C- Seattle storm looked like the favorites in the first game like they ran away with the game taking away from the liberty but it was yeah, fun to unfortunately watch basketball. it was fun to watch basketball being back it was fun to watch sabrina unescu come back but the the gold star i think comes into i wrote it down as the start of that game but in looking at and i watched the game after that on abc it looks like it's going across every game WNBA players are making a very conscious effort for the say her name social media movement uh for social justice uh, surrounding the Breonna Taylor case in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And it was just very intentional and well done, I thought. They all have her name on the back of her jerseys. They are making their statements both when they're interviewed by people on the sidelines or post-games or before the game. Uh, Stewie was, you know, took the mic and spoke for a little bit. Uh, it, it's very intentional and well done. And so I wanted to say shout-out to the WNBA for that. Absolutely. And I want to also gold star the WNBA, although it's going to be a little bit lighter. I'm going to gold star Sue Bird in particular for this little Twitter exchange between her and Rebecca Lobo. For those who don't know, Sue Bird, Rebecca Lobo, both UConn Huskies, so they have a great relationship. Uh, Rebecca Lobo tweeted out, Sabrina Inescu was four years old when Sue Bird played in her first WNBA game. And, of course, the opening matchup between the Seattle Storm and the New York Liberty, they were going head-to-head against each other. I love Sue Bird's response, which is, well, since we're on the topic, how old was she when you played in your first WNBA game? And, obviously, Sabrina Nesky was not born when Rebecca Lobo played in her first <laughs> WNBA game. Shout-out to them for a little bit of Twitter humor. We enjoy that. You have any more gold stars, Mr. Rainsworth? Yeah, I want to give a gold star to whoever in the marketing department had the orange hoodie campaign for the WNBA. So for those that don't know what I'm talking about, the WNBA's logo changed not that long ago, and they started putting it on just like a very simple, like, Fanatics brand when you're on the, on the internet looking for stuff to buy. Orange hoodie, and they just put the white silhouette of the woman doing a little hookshot-looking thing on the side. And Kobe wore it at a Laker game a few years, like a, 18 months back now. Right, and the iconic shot of he and Gigi were on the sideline Lakers game, and it was really, really publicized. But back when that happened, I remember being like, "Oh snap, I gotta get that hoodie!" Like that, like it was a cool looking <laughs> orange hoodie he's got on. And so I got it back then on Fanatics, and it, it's been on Fanatics since the logo came out. Right, you see, so a few more people get it this, you know, this year after WNBA had a pretty successful summer last summer, and then someone in their marketing department was like, "Hey, these things are catching on." And very clearly just went to the Orlando bubble with a truckload and just like handed them to like all the NBA guys are walking <laughs> around Orlando. It is a hundred degrees with like a hundred thousand percent humidity in Orlando, Florida right now. It is not hoodie weather, right? It is not hoodie season in Orlando like it normally is for the basketball season to be starting. But all these dudes are walking around drenched in sweat in orange WNBA hoodies and like posting pictures of it and like, you know, spinning it around and like 
they they reached out to more than just NBA players, but whoever in the marketing department had the idea to spin the hoodie, like Fanatics and stuff were sold out by the end of the day yesterday. I mean, it was, it's hard to find. I don't mean to like say like, I've got this treasured hoodie or whatever, because I totally got it because Kobe got it. I'm, I did the exact same thing just a year earlier. Like it's, it's not any different, but it's a very, very cool move by them to make like, oh, wearing the WNBA is a cool thing to do because all of our NBA guys are doing it too. No, absolutely. And it is truly a sweatshirt when you're wearing it in Orlando in July. <laughs> I mean, you are sweating through that sucker. My last gold star goes once again to the UFC and specifically it goes to a UFC fighter from Sweden, uh, Hamzat Kamaev. And if you have not watched this dude, he is an animal. But let me just tell you how much of an animal he is. He had a fight on July 15th. He won the fight, basically took no damage, second round with a crazy choke. The UFC needed someone to jump in on the card yesterday. So uh, we are recording on July 26th. That is July 25th. That is 10 days after this dude last fought. He stepped in, fought, and then beat the dude yesterday in the first round, knocked him out, and literally took no punches from his opponent. This guy is an animal. And then they're interviewing him afterward, and they're like, Talk to us. How do you feel? He's like, give me an hour. Send the next one out. He is a monster. I absolutely love that attitude. So gold star, Mr. Kamayev, you are a beast. It's someone that the 170-pound division is going to have a problem with going forward. <laughs> <laughs> you have any detentions, Mr. Aintor? I've got a couple. My first one I want to give, kind of in the same WNBA vein. I've got a little theme here for my first few. But in the same WNBA <laughs> vein, yesterday, several WNBA players walked off the floor just before the national anthem was played. Um, it was part of what they wanted to do, part of the symbolism they wanted to be, you know, point out that, like, America is not the same for everybody, and so it doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. Anyway, they walked off. Um, they didn't sit there and take a knee or make some big stand or do whatever, but that they walked, several, a lot of players walked off. Um, it was before the anthem was played. The ESPN tweet with the video, and most people scroll through Twitter do not actually click on the videos and listen to them, so that's not really part of it but the video just shows the women walking off the floor and the tweet said that the liberty and storm walked off during the national anthem which is a whole different movement i'm not sure that it necessarily would have been any you know more offensive if you're trying to look at what they're actually trying to do but they caught a whole lot of flack all over instagram twitter etc from this post that espn misreported they didn't walk off during the anthem they walked off before the anthem and so they get off the floor the anthem plays they walk back on and they got, I mean, the WMA players got called all kinds of out there names we're not going to go into in this PG podcast, but it was like <laughs> for doing something that they didn't even do. That's not what they were doing. And so ESPN waited like eight hours to correct it in a retweet, you know, late last night. And I was like, look, you messed this up. All these people are not checking for your retweet later, ESPN. They're watching the first one. you got to get it right. You're the leader. You always say you're the leader in sports. You can't be wrong on this, man. <laughs> you can't just be hasty and throw the first thing out there. And so a lot of people are waking up today really pissed at NBA, WNBA players and things like that, thinking they walked off during the anthem, and that's not what happened. To be fair, some of those people would be pissed regardless of if they knew it was before, during. Well, for some of those folks... It's considered yes. disrespect, right, even though it's been explained numerous times exactly. Anyway, but I understand your point, which is ESPN be better, right? ESPN has to be better. You can't be wrong there. No, they're absolutely gonna be pissed, not. They can, they're going to be wrong and be pissed, and we'll put it in the history books later about where they were. But you got to be right. You got to be right on the information. Like, Oh, that's fair. I think I'm going to, with my detention, 
go in a more serious vein as well, which I'm going to detention Woody Johnson and Daniel Snyder, who are NFL owners, both of whom it is now coming out that the atmospheres in their respective organizations in terms of the front office are, I mean, less than ideal is a very polite way of saying that it's basically dumpster fires. So it comes out that the Washington Redskins have this pervasive culture where women are disrespected and sexually harassed, and numerous women have reported these incidents to the folks in Washington, and literally nothing's been done, and the culture has been what it is. And everything that I know about the Washington Redskins from the periphery based on the ownership, I mean, I don't know that I'm surprised. That being said, it feels like if you're the leader, you got to do something about it. And on that same note, now we find out that there are incidences of racial disrespect, gender disrespect from Woody Johnson, who's the owner of the Jets. So now if at the top you exhibit that level of disrespect toward people, toward other human beings, what do you think the culture is going to be within your organization? And then it's no surprise that these two organizations, you go look at them, they're in disarray all over, right? So just continuing on the vein, the Washington Redskins can't figure out what their name's going to be. And the Jets traded their best player yesterday, Jamal Adams. So just the tensions all around for the way that those organizations are. I mean, I'm saying, quote, managed, because I know that this is an audio medium, so no one can see me do the air quotes, but <laughs> definitely mismanagement all over the place. Lou Williams gets a detention this week. So Lou Williams left the bubble in the middle of the week this past week for, quote, family, I forget it was family reasons or family emergency or whatever. But that that's, you know, raises some eyebrows because it's like, oh, this, you know, very key six-man type player for a team with a real shot to win the championship has to leave the bubble. What's the process like on getting back? It looks more and more like um, players that continue to be tested daily are going to be able to get back into the bubble quicker. And the detention is not for leaving. The detention is for being, it looked like someone intentionally photographed at <laughs> at Magic City Gentlemen's Club in Atlanta <laughs> um, on his... It looks like on his way back to the bubble. For those that don't know, it does look like in some, and maybe I'm getting fooled by the internet here, but in some research, like this is one of his favorite restaurants. And I, I know that's weird oh to say. Oh my God, come on. <laughs> but Lou Williams is apparently adamant that this is one of his favorite restaurants. And it looks like some of these posts are from like years ago. Like this is not a like last <laughs> three or four days statement. And so first of all, my first part of this attention is for like Lou Williams, you make millions of dollars. We can find better food like <laughs> we, can, we can do that um the second thing is is it look, look like he was posing for a photo you're smarter than this man you know what's going to happen when that photo i don't care if per your own twitter you were just like stopping in to grab some takeout with a mask on on your way out like, that, i don't care and he so, obviously goes there for the service parker yeah so. <laughs> exactly he, uh i will say one thing i saw said there is a lou williams or lou will lemon pepper barbecue flavored wings there um so clearly he is a patron uh it looks like he's gonna miss he's gonna be quarantined the nba is investigating i think they're more investigating to see if he lied to them about why he left <laughs> speaking of not a good look my final detention goes to a man who obviously has been spending the last several months doing more important things than throwing out a first pitch that being said Anthony Fauci's first pitch that he threw out for the <laughs> Yankees Nationals games was so bad. I mean, it was so bad. I mean, it was it was 50 Cent Carly Rae Jepsen bad. And if you guys have not seen 
the 50 cent first pitch when he did that for the Mets, Google it. If you haven't seen Carly Rae Jepsen's, Google it. Fauci is right in that vein. And, you know, listen, he's had a lot more important things to do with his last few months. So we'll give him a bit of a pass. But, oh, God, <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to jump into the podcast. This is an all NBA podcast. Bubble City's about to open. So we're going to talk about the favorites to win the championship, specifically looking at the Lakers as compared to everyone else. We're going to talk about the award winners because the NBA has said that the awards are wrapped up. So now we're going to talk about who should be the MVP. Should it be Giannis? Maybe it should be someone else. And then we will talk about the non-favorite who has the best chance to win a championship in Bubble City. So without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, welcome to Bubble City. We have seen the scrimmage games, and now it's about to be real basketball with a real championship at the end of it. And we're looking at those Los Angeles Lakers. Our thesis statement, the Los Angeles Lakers will win the NBA championship in 2020. How would you grade that thesis statement, Mr. Ainsworth? I'm going to give it a B+. Plus. It's interesting because I'm a little hesitant as well, even though we're going to talk about who we think is going to win the championship, and it's probably going to seem uh, hypocritical. I, I think I'm going to go B-. minus. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, we are finally going to talk about real basketball that's actually going to be played, specifically talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. The thesis statement was they will win the NBA championship this year. So now as we take a look at Odd Shark, the Los Angeles Lakers have the best odds at plus 200 to win the NBA title this year. They're followed by the Milwaukee Bucks, who are at plus 280. The Los Angeles Clippers are at plus 300. And then the other favorites are all in the four figures. For those of you guys who don't understand how this works, if you were to bet $100, you would get plus 200 if the Lakers won the title. So you bet $100, you get your $100 back, plus 200 for $300 total, etc. So the other favorites, the Boston Celtics are at plus 1,300, tied with the Houston Rockets, small ball Houston, what plus up? 1,300. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, which makes uh, Jay Johnson very happy, plus 1,600. And then uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are at plus 2,000. Now, Mr. Ainsworth, you went with a B plus in terms of the Lakers being the favorite. So obviously you have them winning it all, and you're going to get your Houston card revoked, right? <laughs> So I get I gave it a B plus because if you like came back in a Back to the Future type car and drove up my driveway and were like, hey, the Lakers win it all, I like wouldn't be surprised. Hold so on, hold on, hold on. If someone came into your driveway with a Back to the Future car, you wouldn't be surprised. Well, <laughs> the least surprising part about that is the Laker announcement. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the, that's what I'm getting at. Though. The part that's not surprising is that the Lakers win it all. The deal is is that I gave it a B plus as opposed to like an A plus, right? Because if it's not going to be a surprise, you'd think it's an A plus because. I don't think it's like this cakewalk easy thing. Like all of LA seems to be tweeting LA in three or LA in four. Like they just think it, they think it's going to be sweeps all the way through. I think they're going to miss an Avery Bradley more than they think they realize they're going to miss an Avery Bradley. I think that it's also shaking up where they're going to have kind of a difficult journey. And since they're not playing in Staples, being the one seed doesn't really have a whole lot of an advantage. Like you end up playing like lower seeds, but you don't get the home court advantage of Staples Center. And so as I look at it, they're going to play. The eight, I mean, assuming the seeds stay in place at the top because those are pretty well set, we'll probably play a Memphis, a Portland, and New Orleans in the first round. Uh, those are the three I think have the most realistic shot at the 
number at the number eight seed, right? They may all get to a play-in and do something, blah, blah, blah. Memphis has this kid named John Morant, who I'm sure we'll talk more about later, who <laughs> he has been able to work out for the last few months because he has ways to work out at home. He was already a stud before we went to, to the break, and now he's had, like, a weird quasi-off-season to get ready. Like, I would not be surprised if he can take over and win a couple of games, right? Like, I, I'm not saying he's going to beat the Lakers on his own, but I would not be surprised if he won a couple games. you got... New Orleans, who we both know is a whole different team with Zion playing. Absolutely. Um, he brings he brings his, another young kid, obviously, but he brings a different type of both verticality and power to their front line. They also have this guy named Brandon Ingram on the side who's an all-star. And there are several <laughs> guys, Brandon Ingram included, in the Lonzo Balls and the, even Josh Hart, like guys that are on that Pelican team that would love nothing more than to take some paint off the Lakers, right? Because Revenge. they got dissed so bad, right? And the storylines there are a lot of fun. So I, I understand why the NBA intentionally gave them this easiest schedule to get Zion in the playoffs. What? I didn't say that. But that's what might be what happened, right? <laughs> um, and then the other team in this fight for the eighth seed here is Portland. And I think I'm even on record a month ago of saying it looked like Portland might be kind of mailing it in. Now, it's actually looking like they're going to have everyone but Ariza there, yeah. and they're going to be pretty strong, right? Because you got to remember, this is a team that was in the Western Conference Finals a year ago. They didn't have Nurkic a year ago, right? You've got Dame and CJ, and you've got no Avery Bradley to cover either one of them. I, You know, J.R. Smith threw a sweet alley-oop yesterday at Dwight Howard. <laughs> he can't guard He can't guard CJ McCollum. He no. can't guard Damian Lillard. Deion Waiters is a fun player to watch. Defense is not his specialty. He can't guard either <laughs> one of those guys, right? And I get that, you know, in my head, what's going to happen is that it's going to be CJ and Dane both combined for 90, and LeBron and Davis are going to both combine for 90. And, like, that's going to be kind of the shakeout of the first round. But, like, again, with no home court advantage, like, that is not a cakewalk of a first-round series. And so I guess what I'm saying is that in the first round, the Lakers are not looking at an easy series. Then in the second round... That middle tier of the Western Conference right now, it's looking like a Utah and Oklahoma City, Houston, Denver, or kind of that middle bunch. And they may jostle for position between now and then. The Houston, you just listed as a potential favorite in this thing. They've got two MVPs. I don't need to tell you what, how much I like them. Oklahoma City <laughs> is super scrappy, right? They got Chris Paul. I don't know if they make it the second round, but they're super scrappy. Utah, right, has Gobert inside. They got Donovan Mitchell outside. You know, does Donovan Mitchell make a big jump? They're missing Bogdanovich, but they've also got a guy like Royce O'Neal is as good a defender to ha to cover a guy like LeBron as you could have. Gobert is as good as a guy to defend a guy like Davis as you could have. So, like, what are you really looking at there? And then there's a chance that Denver falls into that 4-5 seed and ends up having to play the Lakers in the second round. And Denver, we just saw, like, the big thing with the Lakers is their size. Denver lined up with a seven-foot point guard on, like, the other day. Like, like this is... They rolled really out five court. centers in that scrimmage. Yeah. They literally rolled out five centers and was like, hey, ball, ball, bring the ball up. That's crazy. And, and so I know I've talked for a long time, but what I really... I look at this, like, potential roadmap. We haven't even gotten to the fact that they will have to play the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals if everything shakes out like chalk. They're obviously a team that is built to really take on anyone in the league from a defensive standpoint, because you have Kawhi who can guard any wing, and then he's got help because you have a dude like Patrick Beverly. Because if your team has two good guards, those guys can take him. He's got Harold behind him. Now, I get that Harold comes off the bench, but Harold's going to finish the game 
And he's a guy who, if you have some sort of low post presence, it's gonna be he's a dude that's very difficult to move on the block from a defensive standpoint. The Clippers are basically set up to match up well with anyone. And oh, by the way, haven't mentioned Paul George yet. And I know that Paul George has issues. Defense isn't one of them. Paul George can lock you down as a 6'10 dude, and he will take a wing as well. I get that Dame Lillard hit the shot last year, but let's remember who was guarding him on Oklahoma City. They put Paul George out there to take Lillard out of it, and Lillard hits the shot from 40 feet. So Paul George, obviously, in terms of his defense, I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Lakers. And I think that the other piece that matters as well is we found out Rondo's not going to play in this thing now due to injury. And so it's one thing when Avery Bradley doesn't come into the bubble. It's another thing when the guy who's probably going to take those minutes and Rajon Rondo, who's a playoff veteran who has a ring, also won't be there. And so it feels like it puts a lot more pressure on LeBron to be the playmaker for 40 minutes a night. Now, if anyone can handle that, it's obviously a guy like LeBron who's got his right. championships and who's done it before at this level. Uh, that being said, he's got to do it where they're going to be rotating Kawhi and Paul George on him. So if the Lakers get to the conference finals, and let me just say Portland, like when you start thinking about the fact that like Carmelo Anthony is not someone who we talk about, uh, that team has a lot of depth. Obviously, that first round matchup is going to be quite interesting. But if they're able to get to the conference finals and they see the Clippers, man, that is a tough matchup. And that's, again, assuming that it's the Clippers because Houston was on a roll. We know that I love Denver. I love Jokic. He's the best center in the league. Jamal Murray. I mean, they have a ton of talent well, Jokic there. Jokic is actually – he's a point guard now. So I don't know if he gets to be the best center in the league. <laughs> That's like when Giannis was the seven-foot point guard from Milwaukee, right? I mean, that's a tough deal. And, yeah, we haven't even talked about the Eastern Conference and Milwaukee. And I know that you love Giannis and you love Milwaukee and you have them probably coming out of the East. In my mind, Boston is as tough a team. Now, obviously, hopefully their guard situation works out and Kemba Walker is going to be able to play. But that's as tough a team in the East as can come out. Even a team like Philly, if Philly plays to their potential, they're as deep as anybody. And if Ben Simmons is shooting and making threes all of a sudden. I mean, he's going to see a sports psychologist. I don't know. Unless a sports psychologist (laughs) is like Larry Bird. I don't know how that dude's going to help us shoot more threes. Bird would just be like, dude, just shoot it. Like, what are you doing? Just put your warm-up on and just go shoot. Like, (laughs) it'd be awesome. Um, Who do you like coming out of the East? Like, if we were to say this team is built to beat the Lakers – knowing that we're saying that the Lakers are the favorite. Oh, it's interesting because I, I don't mean to just make it sound like I think chalk's going to happen across the board. Uh, I, I really do like Milwaukee. Milwaukee has a, differ, a point differential of over 11 points. That means they're winning games on, like their end of game scores on average before we went on the break was they were winning by more than 11 points on they're average. They're blowing people out on average. Even even with the only having eight games left in this restart before the playoffs, they have a very real shot at winning 60 games anyways. Like winning 60 games out of 82 games is like, dang, you had a really good season. Milwaukee may do that anyways. Also worth pointing out, they like lost the last couple games right before they went on the break. Giannis gets his bangs his knee up in that LA game. Nothing too serious, but bangs his knee up, and then they lose their next two games. 
they really had only lost nine games in the season to that point. And Giannis, that again, banged up his knee right before the break. He's now had four months to get that knee healthy. <laughs> like he looked, he's going to be <laughs> fine. Um, and so I guess I sit here and look at Milwaukee. Uh, I also have fun with Milwaukee because it really is like Giannis and the right puzzle pieces. Like I know people are going to sit here and say, oh, but. Ainsworth, Chris Middleton's so good, and oh, Ainsworth, Brooke Lopez is so good. It's like okay, put them on another team, see how good they do. Like, like it's not Chris Middleton can like get his own shopping perimeter, but it's like the NBA. There are guys come off the bench that can do that. That's that's not all it takes to be good in this league. Uh, it's all based around like Giannis drives the ship, and I I really think that it's an interesting team because you don't see that much post really post Boston in 08, right? Like that's not, you don't see the team that has like one clear focal point like that anymore. No, I, and I guess what I, I think the Lakers are going to win the championship. And I gave this thesis a lower grade than you did. And it's the same reasoning. I, I would not be surprised if the Clippers got the Lakers in the conference finals. I think I would genuinely be surprised if anyone else did. And so I just want to talk about the Lakers a little bit and the positives that come with them. Let's start with LeBron James. He's still the best player in the league, in my mind. And now he's got Anthony Davis to play with. And those two, obviously everything that you do comes off of those two playing together. So their offense looks incredible. Their defense looks incredible. The pieces that they have recently brought in, in terms of Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, I don't know that those are going to be the guys that this thing's going to be built around. That being said... We know that they're like microwaves. Those guys get hot fast. And J.R. Smith has championship experience. Um, he also has experience not knowing, you know, exactly how much time is left on the clock, but whatever, right? Uh, Dwight Howard is another guy who he's been in the finals. He's led a team to the finals. In fact, he led a team to the finals that beat LeBron, right? So Dwight Howard, in terms of his experience, he obviously has a little bit of championship experience as well. It's going to be interesting to see where Kyle Kuzma shakes out in this thing because I would say that he's underperformed all season. Now is the time where if you're going to step it up, we would really want to see that from him. And if he can become a consistent third offensive option that teams have to respect, knowing how big the first two options are, they almost become unguardable. I actually think that you know a year ago Kuzma had really good – stats uh, on a team that was not very not very good right they missed the playoffs i actually think this is more the type of kuzma you're going to see in a team that has a real shot here because kuzma has ways he can score he's not ever going to be to me like a even a chris bosh on that miami heat team like i just don't see him being a third i see him being more like how mike miller got hot in a couple of those nba heat finals runs right or how you know mario chalmers wasn't someone you could just not guard in those NBA Heat in those finals runs uh, for the Miami Heat, right? I think that that's really important to have, but I just don't see him doing more than that. There are so many Bubble City factors between the time, the timing of games, and the way that the series are going to be structured that obviously play into it as well. Uh, that being said, if you if you were going to pick your conference title participants and then the champions, I would go Lakers, Clippers. I would go Boston, Milwaukee. And I would say it's going to be Lakers-Celtics in the finals with the Lakers winning. The caveat being if Kemba Walker is healthy. If Kemba Walker is not healthy, then I think the Bucks are going to come out of the East. Ooh, um, so assuming that nothing crazy happens right now, I actually think 
you're going to call me a homer. I'd have the Lakers and the Rockets in the West. Yeah, I'm going to call you a homer because the one team that's built to beat Houston is L.A. in terms of the Clippers. I mean, the Lakers are built to beat them too, but just the seeding, I don't think that they're going to see each other. But um, the L.A. teams are I, built to beat them, so whatever. We can talk about the fun and Russell Westbrook versus Paul George for a shot at the Western Conference Finals, but I think Russell's going to I do think the Lakers have a size because they can play Davis the five, LeBron the four, and not be smaller than the Rockets. They do present a problem for Houston in the matchups. I don't know that they can beat Milwaukee after that. And I think the other thing that is going to happen from them when they play Milwaukee versus when they play when Milwaukee go to play if Milwaukee play another team is that wear down I'm talking about. Like they're not going to have an easy road to the finals. And in this current structure, if you're not sweeping people, you don't get a break. And so I think that that's going to grind some of their guys down. You know, Davis, even though he's young, you know, and you talk about him winning a championship in Kentucky, and it feels like it wasn't even that long ago, he has had his injury history. Like, he has missed a lot of games. And so I just, I, I don't know. You know, I think that the situation, while they've got some real, I mean, again, I'm not going to be surprised if you tell me L.A. wins the whole thing. But I'm just not ready to give it an A+. plus. Oh, yeah, no questions asked kind of thing. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. W- what do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But... You're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb thing to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it helps keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Cummings, our next NBA-themed thesis for this week as we get ready for the restart. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the 2020 league MVP. Now, knowing that voting is supposed to be done before the games start this week, this is something they're going to decide fairly soon. What do you think about that thesis, Mr. Cummings? I love LeBron James, and I love the season that LeBron's having. I'm probably thinking Giannis as MVP. Uh, That being said, I'm probably going to go... B plus just because I think that other people have that love for LeBron as well. So I could see the emotional vote for LeBron's 17th season and him getting it. What about you, Mr. Ainsworth? What are you thinking? I'm an A plus. Um, I, I get why people like LeBron. I'm not saying I I also really like LeBron as I sit here, his Jersey is hanging up on the wall next to me. I, I I, Giannis is having an incredible year. Okay, Mr. Cummings. So we were both on board with, Giannis being the MVP, but you gave it a little bit lower grade than I did, probably allowing for some nuance, but I want to hear why. What what made you not give it the A-plus that I gave it? I mean, the biggest reason is the guy who <laughs> looks like he's going to finish second in LeBron James, right? LeBron's season is incredible. People love the comeback story as well. I mean, the Lakers were 
really nothing last year. LeBron, obviously, they get Anthony Davis, and that makes a huge difference. And LeBron's leading this team, and this team all of a sudden has the best record in the West, especially considering that Kawhi came over is now playing in L.A. as well for the Lakers to have the best record. I think there's going to be a lot of emotional sentiment for LeBron. I do think that people generally like LeBron. Like People have moved past the decision. He's no longer the villain that he was in Miami. He brought that title to Cleveland. So there's a lot of good feeling around LeBron. And to give him an MVP in such a late stage in his career, I think people would be all over that. That being said, when you start looking at the numbers, other than assists, there's really no statistical measure that would tell you that LeBron's having a better season than Giannis. And this isn't just like, you know, folks look at the raw data, points, and rebounds. Start breaking down the analytics. I mean, win shares, whether it's offensive, defensive, total, you start looking at plus, minus, you start looking at defensive ratings, you start looking at offensive ratings, you start looking at uh, value over replacement. There isn't a measure where LeBron is beating Giannis with the exception of assists, and then if you want to get into the analytical piece, the assist percentage. So now, I guess the question I want to throw at you, Mr. Ainsworth, you are obviously the biggest Rockets fan I know. I'm thinking about Harden last year. Like, has there been a year where someone has dominated so much in terms of the analytical metrics that they didn't win? I'm wondering if Harden was in this position last year specifically with Giannis. Well, and I told you off about a second ago. The interesting thing is Harden has come in the top two of the MVP voting for the last five years. He's not in it this year, right? But in the four of the last five years, he's been top two in MVP voting. He only won one of them. He might have a stronger case in two or three of the other four than the year he actually won. But the year that he won the MVP, the 2018 Rockets won 65 games. They went like... 53-3 and three in the regular season with Chris Paul, Capella, and Harden on the floor at the same time. They were insane. Insane, insane team. We can do a different pod later. We're talking about history pod where I think that's the best team to not win a title of all time. But the difference here is that like Giannis has the analytical advantage and his team has one more games. And so the real issue with Giannis is do you just feel bored with the fact that he just got it a year ago? Because his stats are only better than a year ago and Milwaukee is only better than they were a year ago. Wait, so his raw his raw stats a year ago were the like flaw in his game versus the flaw in Harden's game because Harden had 35 points a game, had the 32 streak of 30 points in a game. This year, Giannis's raw stats are not flawed. He's averaging 29.7 points, 13.7 rebounds, and 5.8 assists. That's 30 and 14 a night. That's really, really good, especially when you're shooting <laughs> over 54%. Here's the stat that I don't think people look at enough when they look at Giannis. Because they're winning games, like I said in the last segment, by over 11 points, like their average margin of victory is over 11, he's playing less than 31 minutes a night. So his stats, if you go into the league average of per starter of 36 minutes a game, right, the per 36 stats, he would be averaging 34 and a half points. He'd be averaging 16 rebounds. He'd be averaging almost seven assists. The last, like, NBA player to do... 34 points and 16 rebounds per 36 was this guy named Wilt Chamberlain, right? Uh, <laughs> like that is, that's the kind of dominance we're talking about. The kind of, the guy that scored a hundred points in a night, 
the kind of domination we're talking about for the time he's on the floor is very literally Chamberlain level dominance. So we are both on the same page there. Let's talk about some of the other awards. They've already been voted on. So the Bubble City can't impact the uh, outcome of the awards. Let's talk about some of the other ones. Let's start with Rookie of the Year. We've talked about this a little bit. Who do you think is going to win Rookie of the Year? Well, when we talked about it, I think our big discussion was like how much they're going to count these eight playing games yeah, absolutely. or whatever, right? And the truth is, if you're not counting those, maybe I can go back and listen to what you said back then, but I remember you being like, the eight games are going to be how Zion wins it. Like, If you don't count those eight playing games, I think it's very clearly John Moran. John Moran played you know, three, three times as many games. And at the end of, you know, the 62 games they played, his team was in a better spot. And it's no knock to Zion. I don't mean to, you know, dismiss a guy injury. You don't get to pick when you get hurt. But that's just the way it shook out, Bart. It's like, like it, Ja had a better year because Zion was hurt. It's I, It's got to be Ja. I don't, I don't even know what the argument would be for Zion based on the number of games. Like, I mean, as soon as you get into the number of games that he's played, essentially it's no longer a debate. Let's talk about some of the other awards and see if we have a little bit more disagreement, maybe a little bit more debate. How about we start with Sixth Man of the Year? Like, if you were thinking Sixth Man of the Year, I'm basically thinking that it kind of comes down to three guys, right? So it's it's going to be Schroeder, it's going to be Lou Williams, or it's going to be Harrell. So the Clippers have two guys that are in that discussion. Um, I'm probably still going to give it to Lou Williams, which is weird because I think Lou Williams has won it three times in the last five years. So now I want to give yeah. him another one. His yeah. – um, Value over replacement is nuts as compared to the other two guys. Well, and so you bring up Lou Williams. He was also, he's won it those three times in the last five years. And then in 2017, when he was still in Houston, Eric Gordon won six man, but Lou Williams was top three in the voting. I, I want to say Schroeder because to me, the unit of Trez and Williams is what's so valuable for them. And they get this like weird benefit statistically, analytically, wins and losses from coming in together um and they, they play so many minutes together and so like yes Lou williams gets a few assists because he's dropping off to montrez and yes montrez has a high va- you know his value replacement player and those kinds of things are influenced when you're on the floor with good talent um i think my reason i say schroeder is i you know and this is much more of a not you know this is not a statistical based argument and so people are going to maybe call me two-faced on this because i <laughs> but Schroeder had to accept being a sixth man. Like Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell have been six men their whole career. Schroeder had to take a step back to be like, oh, I've got Shea Gilgis Alexander, a young buck that needs minutes. I got Chris Paul, one of the best point guards of all time. This is my turn to come off the bench and lead this second unit in a different way. And I think that's something we should point out as a good thing. Now, Oklahoma City is not a big title favorite um, by any stretch, but I don't think anyone saw them being as good as they are. I, I think that Schroeder in that second unit and his acceptance of that role is an important part of that. I don't think a lot of people have watched the Thunder play either, which is that's going to play into it because the Clippers are on. You can catch them on national yeah. games twice a week right before the shutdown. And so I think that's going to play into it as well. Um, so we have a little disagreement there. Uh, how about defensive player of the year? I think I've heard your takes on this already, so I think I know who you're going to go for. But um, talk to me. Who do you think's got to win the DPOY? So I, I also go with Giannis for this. I, I look at his defensive win shares and his, you know, we talk about his analytical and how that plays into things. 
I get that he plays a Brooke Lopez, and I think I heard Kendrick Perkins like eight times in the last five days talk about on the jump and stuff like that about how Brooke Lopez is. But what he's not realizing in looking at Brooke Lopez's stats is just like I said, signal with analytics playing off. The guys that play with Giannis are going to have good defensive stats because Giannis is out there. When you watch them play, Giannis is the one that because his strides are so long, he's so fast, he's so explosive, he'll be covering a two guard at three point line, take three steps and be deflecting a shot off the side of the rim or be altering a shot in front of the floater that is a much more difficult shot. Like He covers so much ground, he's so rangy that... I don't even know that the analytics defensively do it justice. Again, he's also averaging nearly 14 rebounds a game, and if he played 36 minutes like a normal starter, he'd be more like 16. Like I, I, I think that he's he's got more more to his game than just being an offensive like straight to the basket kind of guy. And I also think him being so good at defense is part of his MVP case. Absolutely. Um, I will say this. I I agree with you. I would give it to Giannis, and. I'm not going to dismiss Kendrick Perkins' point because when you start looking at defensive rating, it's not just that he plays with Brooke Lopez. So Giannis leads the league in defensive player rating. Brooke Lopez is second. But third is Dante DiVincenzo. And then you have Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton who are also in the top ten, where Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard are the two guys who play with each other that are in the top ten for the Clippers. So, like, I understand that there's an argument. What did I say? Stupid. <laughs> Definitely the Lakers. Um, <laughs> but um, so I understand kind of the argument against Giannis. He plays with other great defensive players. And if you're thinking about Anthony Davis as being the guy who should wins it, then I kind of get that as well. Uh, can I say this? Andre Drummond is not going to get any love for this award. And right. I was always taught that rebounding is defense because you end the offensive possession by getting the board. And Andre Drummond dominates every rebounding statistic, and he should be getting a lot more play for this award. Um, I'm happy that the bubble city isn't going to count because this is a dude who deserves serious consideration for this award who can't go to the bubble, obviously. Well, you talk about how people aren't going to watch Schroeder play. No one's, no one was sitting there watching for the Cavs oh my God. Pistons to play this year. <laughs> he played you know? for the Pistons that got traded to the Cavs. No one's seen Andre Drummond play. His mama can't find him on TV. <laughs> he's a great, he is a great league pass watch. He's a fun guy to watch play. He's funny if you watch him in videos and do, do interviews and stuff after that. I don't mean to dismiss Andre, but he's not getting a lot of TV time. Most improved player. Where are you um, thinking you're going to go? So you've heard me talk a lot about this guy, and I really think he's more your, he ought to be more your boy than my boy. I like Bam. I, I like Bam. It's just I that I think you like him more than guy. I do. I fall in love with this guy's game. I think that he's frankly a real like he could be a real speed bump in the Milwaukee Bucks making it to the NBA Finals this year. I think he's going to be one of the most fun players to watch grow and play in the next two or three seasons because he's in Miami and Miami wants to make a splash and sign a big free agent next off season and. Big Bam is so much fun. And Big Bam, okay, I'll pull up the stats for a second. Bam Adebayo was a, is a third-year player, okay? Last season, he started 28 games. Started 28 games. This season, <laughs> he started every single game, played 35 minutes, and was an all-star. That's a huge jump. Like I, don't, I get to the like points-per-game jump from 8.9 to 16.2, rebounds-per-game, uh, went from seven to ten and a half. His assist more than doubled. Like, yes, he did all those things too. But just at the surface level, he wasn't even a starter in more than half of their games last year. 
Bam is great. I'm not <laughs> – I am a UK guy. I love Bam. So it's not that I'm anti-Bam. I do think that you like him more right now where he's at in his career than I do. That being said, I think that Bam is an incredible player. I think that Bam could win most improved in almost any other season. The problem is, is that Brandon Ingram had the season that he had. And so now when you start looking at Brandon Ingram, he made the all-star team too. He's a guy who's had to overcome injury. And now he got down to New Orleans without Zion. And the only reason why they're even capable of potentially getting that eight season is because Brandon Ingram is helping to keep that team above water with his play. He's been incredible all year long. The scoring numbers, rebounding numbers, you can everybody can go look at his statistics. He's it looks like a different player. When he got drafted out of Duke, the comparisons were to Kevin Durant. And that you saw him play and you were like, This kid's not no, he he doesn't have that potential. You see him this season, and you're like, oh, now I kind of get what people were talking about because he can hit you from anywhere. Ingram will take you down low. He can drive on you. He's got a great jumper, and he gets to play with a guy like Lonzo Ball. He gets to play with a guy like Drew Holiday. And so uh, much in the same way that I think that Bam benefits from Jimmy Butler going to Miami, both of these guys are benefiting from kind of great players playing with them the difference for me is that Ingram had to be the lead dog when Zion out now you can argue it right some might say Drew Holiday is I when I watch New Orleans I think the teams think they got to stop Ingram they certainly run their offense through Ingram that's very I would like as good as Drew Holiday is I think that's more of an attitude thing than who gets the ball and clutch kind of thing right let's talk coach of the year which is the final major award and let me say this props to Billy Donovan, because Oklahoma City's come from out of nowhere, right? Props to Taylor Jenkins, who I don't think most people even know who he is. That's the coach of Memphis. He's a good guy, guys. Like, watch Memphis. Memphis is the team to keep on your radar. They're coming. I I think it has to be Nick Nurse, based on what Toronto has done this year. There are other coaches even that I haven't mentioned. Eric Spolstra deserves some love for what he's doing in Miami. Nick Nurse. To lose Kawhi and for Toronto to still be in the discussion for best team in the Eastern Conference, I think that there's a lot to be said for what he's done in Toronto, so that's where my vote's going to go. So there was part of me that wants to say, you said Spolstra a second ago. Spolstra for, like, frankly, he's the guy developing the guy I just argued for as the most most improved player. That's, <laughs> that's worth pointing out. I really, really like Taylor Jenkins, and it's not just because he's another SBC alum. It's, uh, he really, I think... Uh, He's a smart coach that understands this idea of letting a creative player be creative. And that's not something really easy for NBA coaches to do, especially coaches without a whole lot of years of head coaching on the resume. Like that's You typically have a, a coach that's early in their career wants to control things so that way they have some say in what happens and so on. But Jenkins understands. He's like, I've got lightning in a bottle here in John Morant. The less I tell him to do, potentially the better. And so I think what Jenkins is doing in Memphis is impressive, and I actually think they're all set up to be very successful between, you know, we didn't mention Jaron Jackson and the other young guys that got going there in Memphis. Justice Winslow is on the team now. Now, guys, um, just read my uh, preview of Memphis and Bubble City on bellyup.com. <laughs> Go ahead, read that. Um, but I, I, it's, it's like you said, Nick Nurse is only in his second year as an NBA head coach. Uh, they won the NBA championship last year in his first year. 
the finals MVP and the player that dominated the playoffs left, and they're looking like they have a shot to do it all over again. Like, like <laughs> that has to come down to coaching at some point. And um, and so shout out to Nick Nurse. I know we're gonna make Jade really happy about this, but shout out to Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptor. I think it's gotta be him. I you could go with Budenholzer because they're gonna have some crazy analytical stats as a team. Budenholzer got his already. He's got. Yeah, exactly. I think he's got he's two got, already. So we can he, give it to someone. At else. At some point, it's got to be like about surprising us, right? Like, you know, no one is surprised what the Lakers are doing. No one is surprised what the Clippers are doing. No one is surprised at what the Bucks are doing. I think everyone is surprised at what Toronto is doing. Okay, Mister Ainsworth, our final segment in this NBA Bubble City Preview Pod. We're going to talk about the teams that aren't necessarily at the top, and. I want to talk about the Denver Nuggets in particular. The thesis statement is, if any team that is not a favorite in Bubble City wins the title, it's going to be the Denver Nuggets. So now I say that to you, Mr. Ainsworth. How do you grade that thesis statement? Give like a C plus. You um, hate Denver. I don't know why you hate Denver. It's funny because I actually like Jokic, but I, I, yeah, I think it's a C plus. Uh, you like Denver. Yeah, this uh, is probably going to be my highest grade of the podcast. Like, it if, might be your boy Jamal Murray. What is anyway? Get, what's your grade <laughs> on Jamal Murray and the Nuggets? Uh, I'm, this thesis statement, I'm going to go A minus. So I obviously like the Nuggets a lot more than you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Parker. So I don't know that the Denver Nuggets and the Houston Rockets are like these natural rivals, but obviously they are in your mind because you hate them. <laughs> um, so our final thesis statement references the non-favorites in Bubble City. It says that if any of them are going to win the NBA title, it's going to be the Denver Nuggets. You just basically pooped all over that. Talk to me. Talk to me about the non-favorites. Why? You, what is it about Denver that you aren't necessarily feeling? So... One thing I think we need to point out is that of the one, two, three seed in the East and one, two, three seed in the West, only one of those six teams is considered not a favorite, and that team is Denver. <laughs> I think that's I think that's there's a reason to that, right? Like you said it yourself, if Boston is healthy, they got a chance to make it to the finals, and they're the three seed in the East. We're seeing talking about the three seed in the West as the non-favorite, um, and so I think that that's that's telling because it means that Vegas is sitting here saying, yeah. You know, eh, well, well, yeah, the, the three. Like, <laughs> it could also mean, be right? telling that the West is just deeper, and so they think that the three seed in the East is going to have a much easier path than the three seed in the West. No, it could be. I think the bigger stat I look at when I look at Denver right now, right, is not. I mean, Jokic. First of all, I don't want this to come off as Ainsworth hates Jokic because Jokic is a lot of fun. I like pass first players. I like distributors. You know, people are like, well, you like Harden. Like, Harden averaged 11 and a half assists a game in 2017. Like, don't I'm just waiting that. for the big yeah. butt because Jokic doesn't have a big butt anymore. He's even slimmed down. So you tell me, where's know, the big right? butt coming? The big butt is when I look at their splits. They are third overall in the West. But when you look at their home record, they're 25 and 8. And on the road, they're 18 and 14. And that, these, these games in the bubble are going to be a lot more like a road game than they are a home game. Right, like they have a significant home court advantage for a couple reasons. They play in Denver, so you have got the altitude. It's super freaking cold. Uh, it also is typically your road trip if you're a traveling team is you typically get the Jazz one night and the Nuggets maybe not the next night, but like a, two days later, right? Like it's a, typically a sweeping road trip. Yeah. And I both teams there actually, if you look at their home and road splits, the Jazz less so. They get somewhat of a benefit there because you got to play two good teams in three days. 
Um, and that's typically hard to do in the regular season. Like that's not, that's why that like crazy weekend right before the coronavirus breakout, the, uh, where LeBron beat the Clippers one night and the Bucks another night in like a span of four days. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so crazy. Cause like, that's hard to do, man. And so Denver gets a big benefit there. Their first round matchup right now, like if they start the playoffs tomorrow is Houston and Houston's had their number They're Unless they go with this all seven foot lineup, which they might do to combat small <laughs> they're just but rolling it out there in the scrimmage. I mean, obviously they're doing that to show Houston a little something, right? I guess, but their backcourt defense and Jamal Murray's fun. Their backcourt defense is not tremendous, and they have to play two backcourt MVPs. Like, that's gonna be that's gonna be hard, man. Yeah, but um, uh, Houston isn't known for their backcourt defense either. <laughs> like, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, my other thing I look at too is last year they were the two seed. They went seven games to San Antonio, and was it six or seven games to Portland, including a four overtime game. I mean, they didn't run through this thing last year when they got to use their home court advantage. So I, I just sit here and wonder, like, do they really need to be playing in Denver to have a shot? And they're not going to be playing in Denver. No, and let's be real about the thesis statement. The thesis statement is specifically looking at the teams that are not favorites right so like we did the odds for the teams at the top the nuggets are plus three thousand they have the best odds according to odd shark which is why we went with them for this thesis statement the mavs are plus four thousand miami's plus four thousand and then you get to utah plus sixty six hundred and then you get new orleans oklahoma city i mean it's all the way down to like orlando and washington who are plus a hundred thousand which i mean if you got a hundred bucks lying around why not just lay it on one of those teams and pray um bradley beal could do something i guess he's not playing uh, no bradley beal cannot actually <laughs> but um would have been would have been would have been fun would have been uh, <laughs> that being said the piece that you point to is the piece that's most relevant in my mind with denver is that they're not getting home games what i'm hopeful of I believe that Mike Malone's a good coach. And so what I'm hopeful of is that when he rolled out that five big lineup, that it's a recognition that that's the advantage that they have. And guys, like, even if it's not the five bigs, because Michael Porter Jr. is not on the floor there. Like, they can roll out a lineup that actually will outsize you across the board and still has a semblance of athleticism to it. What I think Denver needs to do, especially I think Bubble City will force them to kind of go into this realm. Denver needs to go against the analytics, which says run up and down and get a lot of shots off. Denver, if they play pace and space opposite, <laughs> so use, use Jokic, to essentially dictate spacing because you have to double him and then slow the pace down. I think that they have as good a chance as anyone to do some damage here because they'll force teams to play outside of themselves. And Denver has the talent to dominate you if you try to match them at that type of pace. Now, there's nothing <laughs> based on the, the pieces that we've seen from pre-COVID that says that this is definitively what they're going to do. I will say rolling out those five bigs is intriguing, but that's intriguing. And I don't know if it's sustainable because I don't think that that five big lineup can really run with Houston, right? I think that if Houston said, we're going to match your bigs with our smalls, I think that Denver probably still struggles a little bit, especially like trying to guard Harden because Bull Bull can't guard everyone. He's probably the most athletic big that was out there, right? So, 
Um, I think that that's going to be a struggle for them against a team like Houston. But if they get into a game where they decide, hey, we're going to intentionally slow it down and we're going to take advantage of the fact that we have the best center in the league and he's a playmaker and we have shooters, man, I think Denver could do damage if any of these teams that aren't favorites are going to do damage. I look at a team like the Miami Heat and I say, you know, Jimmy Butler is really good, and Bam Adebayo, if he, if we look at the last four months as a potentially an off season, could have another like jump in his growth. They're sitting there at the four seed in the East, and so assuming nothing else goes too crazy, they get to play Indiana, who may not have a little depot and may not have Sabonis. It looks like in the first round, they then play Milwaukee in the second round, and I'll get to that in a second. And then they'd play a Toronto or a Boston, which I think is a fairly even matchup. The deal is Milwaukee there at the middle. Yeah, Miami's actually 2-0 and against Milwaukee this season. It's worth pointing out that Bam Adebayo is the one covering Giannis. Uh, and so, well, I just made the case that he's the runaway MVP. In the second of those two games, he held Giannis to 13 points. Giannis obviously will also have had this last offseason to get ready, and he looks very much like he's in good shape. The other guy we'll look at in Miami, though, is not just Bam Adebayo covering Giannis. Jimmy Butler was having a tremendous playoffs last year until that one shot by Kawhi bounced around <laughs> one too many times for the Sixers, right? Like, think about how much different NBA history is if that shot takes one bounce differently and the Sixers move on with Jimmy Butler, right? And Chris uh, Middleton all, is not Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> right, 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 right. Frankly, I'm sure he's thinking, this is my time to shine. I don't have JoJo and Ben Simmons here. But you got Bam guarding Giannis. I think they're a real matchup problem for the Bucks, and I don't have anyone else in the East as just running away from Miami to me, right? They have a fairly simple first-round matchup in Indiana, and I don't see Toronto or Boston just like, oh, that's a sweep, Miami's done. Like, those are teams that Miami could beat in seven games. And so, I guess they're, they're the team I would pick, because if you win your conference, the math is not quite that you have 50% shot at winning at all, but if you can win your conference, <laughs> you have a better shot than if you don't, right? Uh, no, especially, so, like, you start looking at the West Conference teams, Dallas. If I were to say to you, of the non-favorites, who's got the best player? I think the argument could be made that Luka Doncic is that best player. I think ESPN actually made that argument, right, with their rankings that we went over last week. And so if you yeah. got the best player, you know you got a shot. And the second best player, as you pointed out last week, is a unicorn who's also in the top 20 in terms of folks who are in this bubble in Kristaps Porzingis. So you look at Dallas and you're like, okay, they got two – legit guys who are basically going to lead that lineup. And, oh, by the way, Rick Carlisle is a great coach. So they, they, it feels like they could do something. Portland, we talked about a lot during this podcast. Again, Dame Lillard gets as little respect of any player who I think is a superstar in the league. And when you're playing with C.J. McCollum, Nurkic is going to be back. Carmelo Anthony, guys, like we just forget that he's there. <laughs> and – he actually steps up in clutch moments. Like his career, he just hasn't had a ton of them to be able to he do had that. Opportunity, absolutely. Yeah. But when he's his had them, his percentages are pretty strong. Absolutely. When he's had them, he's been there. Uh, the other team I want to throw at you is Oklahoma City, and really it's about CP3 leading those guys because we we know that in basketball, guards can have a disproportionate impact because they got the ball, and he's still one of the best guards in the league and of course he's one of the best of all time and so you got this guy who's elevated this team there's nothing to say that he can't elevate the games of uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander Steven Adams has had some experience obviously in some big games and like you said the depth to be able to bring a kid like Schroeder off the bench 
Oklahoma City, Billy Donovan's coached as well as anyone this year. Uh, that feels like a team that maybe could make a run in the West as well. The deal when I look at a Dallas or a Memphis or a Portland or anyone at that bottom part of the West, and I know the Rockets are sitting there and they're a favorite, but it's if you read my piece that's coming out this week about the, the Rockets title odds and stuff like that, the truth is Houston has so many tiebreakers, there's a real shot they shake out at three seat. We'll see. But anyway, when you look at Dallas, Memphis, Portland, the bottom of the West, their uphill climb in the Western Conference is just, it, it doesn't look possible, man. They're like beating, the, like the idea of if you're Dallas, you got to beat the Clippers in the first round. You got to beat your, you know, Denver is the title of this thesis in the second round. And then the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals just to get to the NBA Finals. That is a uphill, uphill climb. Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. All basketball, Bubble City. I am so excited to actually be able to watch basketball games and talk about them versus reading lists and talking about them. This is going to be <laughs> awesome. Like, I don't even know what NBA Twitter is going to do because now we're going to have to get rid of greater than, less than, and uh, start, bench, cut. Like, what oh, are we going to do when we're actually watching basketball? Gonna here, but, yeah, it's going to be so great to get rid of those games. <laughs> uh, Parker, you want to hit folks with your socials? Yeah, if you're going to come on and, you know, talk about games we're watching on TV, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth 512 That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512. All one word on Twitter and Instagram. I'll also be using our show's Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at FN Sports number two. All one word F I N S P O R T S, the number two. Uh, Shaka, we also have an Instagram. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Shaka Cummings at C H A K A C U M M I N G S. Friends, there's WNBA games on, there are soccer games on, there's baseball games on. We're done because we got to go watch sports. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure you like, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things that help out the pod. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.